0: Welcome to the Planet Laundry Podcast. This message is brought to you by Planet Laundry, the magazine of the Coin Laundry Association. In this episode, Brian Wallace, President and CEO of the Coin Laundry Association, interviews Jeff Gardner, the laundry doctor. You may recognize Jeff as a regular columnist in Planet Laundry. He's a laundromat owner, pickup and delivery business operator, and wash, dry, fold expert. In this How's Business segment, We learn about Jeff's origin story as a business owner, how he's become a student of all things laundry, and how he's taken his business from a small wash dry fold operation to a standalone commercial laundry plant. Brian and Jeff also talk about dealing with business challenges in the time of COVID and what the future in the laundry business looks like. Be sure to watch out for Jeff Gardner's new book, A Prescription for Full Service Profits, a collection of wash dry fold and commercial accounts advice from The Laundry Doctor, published by the Coin Laundry Association.
1: Hi, this is Brian Wallace from Coin Laundry Association and welcome to this edition of the How's Business podcast. How's Business gives me an opportunity to chat with some of my friends in the business. I've been very fortunate over the last almost three decades to meet a lot of amazing entrepreneurs in the laundromat business and how the How's Business podcast is a way for me to Uh, Have a little deeper conversation, find out uh, their secrets to success, what makes them tick, and let you eavesdrop on a great conversation with some of the industry's best and brightest. Uh, For this edition, uh, we're going to be speaking with Jeff Gardner. Uh, You may know him as the Laundry Doctor, uh, a longtime columnist uh, for Planet Laundry Magazine, but you may not know uh, how he came to be the Laundry Doctor and uh, really built his career Uh, over the last almost two decades uh, in the laundromat business. Uh, So Jeff, welcome to the Howes Business Podcast. How are you? Great. Fantastic. Well, full disclosure, we've been uh, pals uh, really your whole time in the industry from the first time you called in and uh, as a potential new investor and uh, decided that you wanted to get to know uh, the laundromat business. And uh, but I think everyone takes a little different path uh, to being in the laundromat industry, and certainly your origin story is an interesting one. Uh, maybe if You can just uh, tell us a little bit about uh, you know, what you were doing before the laundromat business, and uh, kind of what what uh, clicked for you about well, this is something I want to try. I want to try to be in the laundromat industry.
2: Well, I I, uh, I came from a really bizarre industry, uh, the quasi garbage industry, where we would. Uh um we took bakery salvage, in other words, stale bread, and we made it into chicken feed. And uh we got so successful that the largest competitor in the market didn't want us around anymore. So they made us an offer we couldn't refuse, and then they also wanted me out of the industry. So I had to go find another job and recreate myself in my uh my 30s. And uh Lo and behold, I I always enjoyed going into laundromats, but I hated the experience, you know, the, even some, as our friend Brian Grell will call them, there's still some zombie mats out there, but I, I used laundromats that were zombie mats. And I always said that there was a better way to do that and, and, and create a better customer experience and, you know, really make it, um, Make the laundromat a, a great community place and it would be a great thing. And and we've certainly seen that happen since I've been in the industry. It's it's changed exponentially, and they're almost like lounges, not really laundromats anymore. Um, and certainly our work with laundry cares has helped that tremendously too. But that's uh that's kind of how I, I saw the industry. I saw it as an opportunity to to make a difference, and it was an it was an industry that was really antiquated and behind the times even in in uh in 2000 um certainly wasn't the first one was i there were people way ahead of me that were changing this but even in minnesota there weren't there weren't that many stores that had been updated
1: well jeff walk us walk us into that first laundry i remember right you made an acquisition of an existing store and I bet like a lot of uh, first time laundromat owners that buy a store, you, you probably had uh, a few surprises and uh, a few things, a few uh, learning lessons uh, right out of the gate. So uh, walk us through that first laundry. So, yeah, I,
2: I certainly uh, a friend of mine had acquired a building and was going to make me the the deal of a lifetime on rent. And he did. Uh, It was in probably the most densely populated area in the the state of Minnesota. Uh, The the location was ideal, and um, other than the parking was terrible. And I I didn't listen to my my friends um, about the parking, so I made a mistake there. Even though I I heard it from you know people at CLA, and uh, the location was phenomenal. Um, The density, uh, the customer base. and so I, I built out a laundromat where one had been and, you know, redid it with just really different concepts. We did a, uh, a very unique tile floor that was that very, very, very interesting looking and, and, and made it uh, a, a real welcome space. We put couches in that we had cleaned all the time. We had a pool table. Um, we, we really tried to make it an experience because that neighborhood was a largely singles, uh, It wasn't a family laundromat. We had very few families that came in. So our equipment mix was a little bit, you know, our large machines were almost never used. It was really a bizarre, not, you know, off, off the wall model, right? Because it was a lot of single people. But what kind of happened is we almost instantly, even before I, I had opened the store, um, my distributor drugged me to the clean show in New Orleans. And the last presentation at the Clean Show was a presentation on wash, dry, fold. And I stayed for the entire thing. And on the flight back, I completely changed my business plan, realizing the market that I was going into and how I was going to successfully like figure out how to service that market. And it that business eventually became bigger than the self-service laundry. I remember one time I, I I actually the first time I saw the business like at fifty fifty the self service laundry revenue was you know literally equal to the wash dry fold and and full service product it was I, I was shocked um, but I mean I kind of knew it would happen and that's um, that was that market right might not be for every market but it was certainly for that market um, well, and that's I mean, that's kind of sure. what drove it there.
1: Yeah, I mean, my my favorite part of your uh, kind of your, you know, anecdote there about, you know, coming to the show and hearing a presentation and, you know, that flight back. I think a lot of people made a flight back from the clean show with new ideas and getting ready to uh, do something different uh, with their business. But I think what's worth digging into a little bit deeper, Jeff, is. Um, You know, while we were at CLA trying to do a couple of seminars here and there and had some articles here and there, there wasn't really a big knowledge base around wash, dry, fold, uh, whether it's from a process standpoint or wash chemistry or anything else. And and to me, I'm thinking about a comic book like this is the origin story, how the laundry doctor was uh, was born. Uh, You know, you took it upon yourself to sort of build that knowledge base yourself. Um, and if anything, you fed that back to CLA more than anything we were able to uh, teach you. So, you know, tell us a little bit about becoming kind of a, a self-taught uh, wash-dry fold and, and uh, you know, laundry procedure expert, because I, I know that you work like crazy and talk to everybody you could. So kind of going back
2: to that that first comment about, of laundromats and them being kind of antiquated and and older. Um, the first thing I did when I um, when I started a wash dry fold business is I went and I looked at everything I could. So I comp shopped everybody in the marketplace, and I mean it, it almost instantaneously dawned on me that I mean, we had a real problem with wash dry fold operators. So I've got pictures in my file of garbage bags of people just shoving. finished product and 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 then handing it back to customers and and, you know the people that needed that service it was it was just like the laundromat industry at the time you know it was there for the people who needed it not the people who wanted it or we could expand you know if you really need it okay we'll do it for you but don't have any great expectations because we're not gonna give you something that's gonna blow your mind away and we're not gonna think about anything about how you want to do with that do that product. So I realized that, you know, even today, you know, you, you looked at markets like New York City and San Francisco, where I mean, you can pretty much open a wash, dry, fold business and be hammered, um, buried, just because there's such a demand for it. Um, and and even there, they didn't do a great job of, you know, delivering a finished product. There were certainly, you know, there's certainly call it the... Um, I, I'll call it the Chinese laundry that that model that you you think of that that really was the beginning of it where you, you would get everything wrapped in a nice butcher paper and everything was nicely folded. and you know and those the people that were running those businesses that was our family business, they took great pride in what they did and and it was and and and, and, and those are still out there today, right? You know people that really did care about it, but that wasn't the standard for what we were seeing in laundries all over the country, the ones that I saw. Um, So I said to myself, what can I do to to try to change this? Because if we make a paradigm shift, you know, a store even a mile away from me, if they offer a better product, the awareness will become bigger and the market will become bigger because there are a lot of people that hate doing laundry. And that is so evident in how we see this – It's been in the dry cleaning world. Everybody's doing wash, dry, fold now, and why? Because it's people are becoming aware that that service is available to them, and people don't want. People just don't want to do it. They want something they would love to hand off. I hear the Geico commercial on television now about, oh, I gotta go home and do laundry, (laughs) but my insurance is so much easier, right? I mean, everybody has identified. And, and we've seen this, a laundry is, is something people don't want to do, but there's solutions for it. And as long as we were delivering a product that was far superior to what you could do on your own, and there was some, you know, bing to it, we were going to get customers. We we're going to get them to talk about it. And then they would share that with somebody else. And next thing you know, we've got another customer. Um so no. and that was my whole theory is it wasn't ever going to hurt my business by trying to improve the industry. It would help my business and help the industry as a whole. And we'd have another great product. So, you know, we started doing like group sessions in Minnesota where we'd bring all the wash, dry, fold operators together and have think tanks. Um, I've never done it. I've always wanted to have like a wash, dry, fold off, like a competition <laughs> of, of attendees And having them together. And and we've talked about it, but I mean, a lot of people don't bring their attendants to to things and don't get them involved. I mean, I would bring my attendants and and put them up against anybody for the fun of it. Whether we won or lost, I know we would win because we would learn something from somebody else.
1: Well, Jeff, you know, just having so many memories of kind of the, you know, the growing up of the wash dry, fold uh, knowledge base and Uh, those uh, impromptu sessions uh, where you all would kind of huddle together and uh, trade information about, you know, folding and about, you know, wash processes and and chemistry. And and some late nights at the bars, I remember, Um, you know, not a lot of folks are closing the bar down, uh, talking about the best use of bleach, you know, or or the best way to fold the t-shirt. But uh, that was part of the trajectory of our industry kind of growing up uh, with the wash dry fold. And and you were, you know, instrumental in, you know, feeding back that information that we could in turn, uh, you know, share with the next folks. Um, you know, one of my favorite memories was uh, an event. I want to say it was a workshop we did in, in Arizona and uh, people ooing and eyeing because we had you doing a seminar where you just folded clothes. <laughs> and uh people would huddle around it you know this may have been a little bit before the cell phones had the cameras on them but people are just trying to capture they're so hungry for that information about uh best practices and i think to this day one of our most popular youtube videos is the one with you folding a fitted sheet You, you were doing it before martha stewart did it yeah um
2: there's a lot of a lot of there's a lot of knowledge base out there that, that has been shared in the last probably two decades of this, but um, it certainly it certainly has made a huge difference of what you see as wash dry fold. I remember comp shopping some of my my dry cleaning competitors even ten years ago and seeing and and, and putting up some of their stuff at, at clean show presentations, and I'm proud to say that I that. Um, when we've, when we've comp shopped them recently, their product is completely different. And, you know, I, I think that, I don't know that I made that change, but I think that the industry as a whole has demanded uh, a better product. And I think everybody, the bar has been risen, uh, has risen and, and it, and it continues to.
1: No, I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's absolutely the case. It's, it's come, you know, leaps and bounds in just recent years. So, so back to the kind of the, the history here. So you told us a little bit about uh, uh, what I remember is Rainbow Laundry. And then you made uh, the, the trek over to Seldell Laundry, the, the building where you're sitting now. Tell us a little bit about the uh, uh, evolution of your business getting into uh, the new location.
2: Well, um, at some point in time, I wanted to, I wanted to continue to grow my business. Um, I think every Every operator wants to own their own building. Uh, I think there's there's definitely advantages to, to renting if you have the the right the right agreement and the right relationship. And I think that um, I would say that I would never rent another building again uh, without without consul- even con- I wouldn't consult I wouldn't do it without consulting someone at CLA. Or some of my my peers, I know a lot of my peers do a phenomenal job of, of of finding locations and and being able to successfully operate them with a lease. It's just so much better, I think, if you can, if you can control the asset, the building you're in, uh, and I think you, in, in the long run that and that, so that was really my divide, defining factor of why I, I acquired this building because it became available. Uh, the guy who was operating it really, I mean, he had a really nice laundromat and it was all brand new and great. in in the late nineties, um, and it was, you know, kind of trendy. They had a, they had a, a, a deli in it and, um, um, it, you know, he was, he was trying to think of every way possible to take care of his customers, but he really had lost interest in it and it became an opportunity. And, um, that's where it became an opportunity for me to own a own a building and 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 retool it and redo it. And now now we've evolved to something completely different. We're out of the vended laundry business and into the commercial laundry business. And uh, we do wash, dry, fold for a couple different people, including ourselves. And you know we do commercial laundry. Um, but it, um, it it became up to the point where I had to make a choice that are we going to take care of the self-service customers? Or are we going to take care of the commercial laundry and the the, the the wash, dry, fold? And the same thing happened here that happened on Hennepin Avenue with the first Rainbow Laundromat is the commercial and the wash, dry, fold business became so big that it was hard to ignore. And it got so bad that we were pissing off our self-service customers, remember Katrina, sometimes in the summertime, when we were doing, like, we have some some accounts that are just huge in the summertime. Uh, my operations manager would take a dolly, put a cardboard sign at the front door, and say, I'm sorry, we are closed to self-service customers. Because we just had no space in, in the facility. We had to turn this stuff quickly, and we just, we, 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 we Didn't want to be in their way. We had so many terrible reviews from pissing off our our self-service customers. It just became evident that we had to make a decision. Um, So
1: that's where where we're at today. Yeah, I mean, and that was predicated by what I'm sort of uh, remembering as sort of an evolution of self-service laundry operators sort of graduating, if that's the right word, into being uh, commercial launderers. And in some of those cases, you know, they kept the self-service laundry open, but built an off-site uh, commercial laundry plant. Uh, you decided to convert your existing self-service into a full-blown plant. And believe me, I remember visits with you at the store with uh, climbing over, you know, mountains of laundry and and barely any room for the self-service customers. And you may have even enlisted me to haul a few bags of laundry from from time to time. You know, so I, you know, I, I think that it's, uh, again, maybe unheard of years ago, but I'm seeing more and more. Uh, I'm thinking about, uh, you, know, you know, Gina Ville. I'm thinking about uh, Dan Campbell. I'm thinking about, you know, a long list of folks that, you know, sort of innocently started off with self-service laundry where the name of the game was simplicity and, and you know, keep it simple. Uh, and, of course, commercial laundry is uh, quite the opposite of that. So what do, you, what do you think has led to this kind of, you, know, you start with a laundromat and you start doing some wash dry fold and you pick up some commercial accounts and then you look up one day and you're putting an in industrial equipment uh, into a building as you have there on Seldale?
2: I can say that there are there are definitely a lot of guys in the industry that have done that. Some of them have done it better than me. Um, we did it for a specific, we, we, we were able to match our commercial plant to what our our clientele was, and, and it, and, and, and you're right. Um, I, I had actually pondered retooling this as a vended laundry because the location isn't bad for a vended laundry. I had actually sourced out a location to put our commercial plant and that real estate deal fell through at the, at the last minute. And, you know, I had already made, made the commitment to, to going down the commercial plant road. So then I had to make a decision whether I really was going to do that or if I was going to retool as a laundry. And I, um, I think we'd pissed at that point. We'd pissed off enough of our self-service customers that it just made sense to to do the commercial laundry. Um, but I, th- I think it's I think it's a challenge for a lot of folks that have gotten in the industry in the last ten years. And and you know you know your list is is really a short list. I know of at least two dozen other people in the industry that have, have made that switch. Some of them dividing like Kent Wales out in Spokane that actually put a wall down the middle of his laundry. And, and now he's got a divided plant. Um, there's a plant in um, in North Carolina built in a, a former McDonald's that uh, can actually have as a wall that's, that's removable or interchangeable where during the weekends, the, the the, the resident the the vended laundry customers have access to the really really big washers and dryers they use for commercial and then the other part of the store is available only to to them during the and it's available during the week but then they have a dedicated area with a, a mixed use place people have gotten really creative about how to either relocate reinvent um, i remember there's a plant in phoenix that i went to that was a an old uh, it was a it was a restaurant but it was a really big format restaurant and literally though the dryer wall on the back end of the dryer wall is a commercial plant. So the makeup air they just open the garage door the makeup air comes through the garage door in Phoenix you can always do that but on the back end they've got a huge commercial plant and processing operation but there's no wall behind the dryers. Uh, and you go through a door and, and then there's a vended laundry over there. And whenever they and a double wide door and and if they need the extra wash, dry, full space during the day, they just go out there and, and use the wash, dry, full space, you know, the the small machines. So they're really creative things happening out there. And I think it's, it's definitely a trend. We see a lot of, of operators trying to, to, to utilize the equipment, especially the new equipment. It's so programmable. They've made these, it's not just you know one wa- a pre wash a wash and a couple rinses you can do almost anything today which it really enables you to to do to that that full service laundry ozone another great example everybody's buying ozone these days well ozone's a commercial laundry product right I mean that's where it came out of and by adding that into your your plant now you've got the ability to sanitize your laundry and whether you you know, whether you use that just for, you know, a marketing tool for your vended laundry customers or you actually develop a real commercial laundry operation by utilizing that, it's just it just opens the door to opportunities, right? Absolutely.
1: No, it's, it's amazing, this whole you know, evolution and, you know, the lines have never been as blurred as they are now, right? Dry, dry <laughs> cleaners doing wash, dry, fold and, and uh, uh you know, the, the, all these lines are, are blurring commercial uh, to it and, and everything uh, in between. But, uh, you know, more about your journey, Jeff. I mean, uh, one of the things that you know I see often uh, with uh, people that have been successful in this business is that, you know, they're uh, what I call serial entrepreneurs. You know, you, they, they've, you know, truly really loved the business and that entrepreneurism comes through. Uh, but uh, you've had your uh, experience at a couple other Uh, entrepreneurial endeavors you want to give us just a little bit of flavor some of the other things that you've been involved with you mentioned the uh uh, the garbage business the food garbage business what are some other things that uh you've used to scratch that itch for being an entrepreneur
2: well i I would say that as many laundry owners being a landlord uh has been a great tool to being able to leverage. You know, leverage an asset to get into a different business. I, I I wouldn't be where I'm at today if the first thing I didn't do uh, in business was identify um, a source for capital, which was an asset, and and know that you know it's something anybody can do is buy their first you know apartment or duplex or a rental home. Um, and a lot of our us from the industry, that's how we got Pat kind of into it. So. I'm I'm really grateful for you know the ability as as an as someone who came from really I started with with you know I didn't get any help from my parents I paid for my own college right um I mean, not that my parents weren't wonderful people I, I, I that's not what I'm saying at all um but you know as a start I recognized that I needed to have the ability to have something that banks would understand um and and banks could could relate to if I was ever going to be able to leverage my labor and my future. So real estate has been, a, an amazing tool to, to catapult me into a lot of things. Um, and it's, you know, like my friends say, you know, it's a 10 year commitment. And by the time you're done with 10 years, you've got the beginnings of an asset, um, that you can, you can leverage to other things. Um, that's, that's been a fun one. I would say the latest stuff that is really exciting. Um, you know, because of this laundry industry and, and an evolution in it, the, the locker business that you know I ran into at a at a show and in, in uh, a distributor show that I was doing for CLA um, down in in California in Huntington Beach, I ran into the the, the dry clean locker business, which is again it's revolutionizing dry cleaning and wash dry hold. Um, still to this day, there's you know there's several companies out there doing it. Um, you know, the leader is still out there, but I mean, there's a lot of diversity getting into that and, and the convenience of contactless pickup and delivery and COVID. Um, there's so many benefits to how you can you know look at that that modification. And, and instantly I saw the value of it. Uh, I, I thought of it for college. You know, I've, I've always struggled with how to how to service college students in a wash, dry, fold. It was the biggest challenge that I saw to the, 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 that segment of the wash, dry, fold industry. Um, so I think that that's a great evolution. Um, on my side business, you know, the, the package locker you see in the back, the, the, the black sign saying Luxor, that part of our business has grown exceptionally. And it's all entrepreneurial stuff, right? It's, it's the next, you know, next squirrel that you see, the rabbit you see that drags you, you know, down in the next hole.
1: Well, you know, and, and so you've done so many things beyond, uh, like I said, with with the uh, conventional, you know, laundromat business and the commercial accounts and you know, the apartment buildings, um, you know, what people may not know is that uh, you spend a lot of time uh, replacing kitchen countertops and fixing up plumbing and, you know, you, you've, you've scrapped and scraped. You've done it, you know, yourself and uh, you're probably not doing as much hands-on uh, as you used to, but... Uh, but when you dove into the locker business again. You know, I call you up and I'd hear a drill in the background and say, "Jeff, what are you up to?" Well, I'm I'm making I'm installing some lockers, uh, mm-hmm. in an apartment lobby. So that's kind of a common thread that you know kind of uh, sticks out in my mind is, you know, you got to put in the work and and so you know you've got as is uh, what I call it as a motor. You've got as high uh, an entrepreneur's motor as you come across. You work like crazy and so I mean, what do you attribute that to? How would you describe that? part of your makeup where you're you're obviously driven um, to make these things work you know there's it's you so uh, you know what how would you describe what what makes uh, so many of our members successful with this just inner drive uh, to uh, tackle the projects
2: um I think that I think it's a, a personal characteristic of the people that I see that that succeed um, is and it's a phrase that another friend of mine coined it's not original to me but i think that uh i think when failure isn't an option um when you're put in a position where you know when you go into a bank and you sign a personal guarantee uh maybe most people don't understand the ramifications of that but i think when you do that the first time and you really re- really realize what you're signing um you you realize that um you know, this is something that you have to do, and you know, I, I think that that when when that happens, you you become that person that 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 doesn't sleep until everything's done. That that makes sure everything's done correctly. That that creates that that product that does something unique that is driven to that. I mean, I, I think that's a character that you might may or may not have. You know, to begin with, but I think it's the driving factor of understanding that, that you can't, you can't, uh, you can't let something go. It's got to be done right. And you've got to, um, you've got to, if you don't do it, you're going to, it's going to cost you a lot and, you know, and you don't want to be a failure. So yep. I don't know if I, a simpler explanation
1: no, for that. No, that no, really gets into the everything. motivation, you know, that we see so often, with our members that are, you know, that are driven, uh, you know, to, to make this, make this happen. And, you know, uh, you know, before we run out of time, I want to make sure I switch gears to the other, you know, part of your uh, passion profile, which is while you've been doing all of this, you've also been spending an incredible amount of time giving back. Uh, you, you know, uh, were a, a volunteer that kicked off our Minnesota chapter of the Coin Laundry Association. You came on the the CLA uh, Board of Directors as a director. Of course, you went for the treasurer position and uh, went through that whole rotation in the leadership, became chairman of the board. Um, And, uh, you know, so you found all this time to give back to the industry, but I know your real passion is giving back to the community. And you can see some Laundry Cares Foundation signage behind me here. Um, I thought maybe you could talk to me a little bit about how you started giving back there in St. Paul and became part of the community there and how maybe that informed your uh, passion and drive to make sure that Laundry Cares uh, reaches its potential. Tell us a little bit about giving back to the community from where you sit. Well, um, I think many
2: laundromat owners today, um, more so today maybe than in the past, um, get into the business knowing that, that, their customers might not have as great opportunities as they've had, and when you actually spend time in your stores and you 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 see your customers, you get to know your customers, and they're human beings, and you know they're good people, and fundamentally, they you know they want everything that that everybody else wants. Mm-hmm. They may or may not have been given the skills. More more of them, probably my biggest frustration is is seeing moms raising kids that were really probably never given the skills to do that. And it wasn't it's not their fault. Um it, you know, it you can't really point a finger at anything, but you can identify that, you know, there's a need there and there's things that, that we can do that we want to, you know, that and, and these are the people that we're making a living off from, right? That that we're providing a, a part of what they need to survive. Right. So what what can we do? to make that experience better. Um, I remember my my first day owning this store that I'm in, um, I'm watching these these kids and they're all fascinated by a gun game. Um, and and I, I'm thinking to myself, these kids don't need to be fascinated by gun games, not at their age. Um, and, and so I called the vendor up that had the gun game and that day and I said, haul that thing out of here. Uh, you'll find it on the sidewalk. Um, that's not what these kids need. These kids need something that will give them a chance in, in their future. Right. Um, so, and, you know, immediately I got involved with the, the neighborhood associations and became active. Um, and one of, one of my good friends, um, uh, who was very active in the neighborhood, uh, drug me to, uh, a, a, um, Actually, he called me saying we need some pizzas and we need some money this Christmas because we uh, we ran out of money for this program that had started a couple of years ago where they were taking kids from our neighborhood that were at risk. Call them um, and taking uh, taking them Christmas shopping with police officers and they had this big pizza party. But they were really the concept was, you know, breaking down a barrier between that community that maybe thought police officers were bad people and couldn't connect with them as a human being, knowing that, you know, police officers go home to families. They, they live, you know, they live in communities. They, they, they're human beings, just like everybody else. We just ask them to do things that probably nobody else wants to do. And sometimes those things are tough things, right? So we, uh, it was an opportunity for me to, to try to say, you know, the people that that need this connection and this understanding are my customers. I should be helping with that program. Right. Um, so that was one of the first things that we did uh, to try to to create a bond between the community I exist and try to make it a better, better place for 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 my customers, for the people I live with, I live around um, and I, I work around. Um, but then you take that to the next step and you really identify what the, the problem is. And and I, I've learned so much more about it over the last five years. I knew it was an, an issue. Um, but, you know, reading is is really should be a fundamental right almost. I mean, but when you when you don't have the skills to teach your child, you know how important reading is because you've never understood how important reading was. You know, how how are you ever going to be able to convert that child to some level of success, some level of being out there to be a, a, a you know, have a chance to be a productive c- citizen, to win, to, to have opportunities that everybody else has. If they if they aren't taught words, if they're not taught skills that that reading, opening a book, looking at, at pictures, seeing things that they would not be exposed to otherwise aren't available to them. So, you know, we we partnered early on with community leaders and the St. Paul Public Library and we brought books in and we had story time and, you know, we we had people, you know, people of different races, different socioeconomical statuses, CEOs of companies, you know, people with different jobs coming in and and trying to create an example for these kids of, you know, what they could do if they would just open a book and maybe spend some time looking and exploring their mind, right? Um, so, and, I, and we create loyalty and we create, you know, just a community. And it was, it was a great way to, great things to do to, to make a difference in the place where you live.
1: Well, right, Jeff, you started right on your block. Uh, with with St. Paul and the business owners uh, group, and uh, you know, you, you, know, I, you know you're not giving yourself enough credit. The Shop with Cops program grew from very small to incredibly large now with huge corporate sponsors and, and a program that has just blossomed over time. Uh, you know you started that reading program uh, right there in your store, which you know was a precursor to what we're doing now at the Laundry Cares uh, Foundation and our Laundry Literacy Coalition. Uh, so it's really been remarkable to watch that uh, evolution and you and i've had plenty of con- deep conversations about you know the fact that this is the right thing to do it also happens to be good for business you know so if we can you know push that message across to our whole industry and understand that you know we have this opportunity you and i might argue an obligation uh to give back to the neighborhoods that we serve and like i said it, it's the right thing to do it feels good and it does ultimately bring, you know, more business, you know, through the doors. Um, I know, Jeff, you've got a favorite anecdote about a kid that, um, you know, would uh, take advantage of those story times in your laundromat. And, uh, you know, those story times really made a difference for her. Tell us a little bit about that. So her,
2: she would come every, every, um, every week. We would have it on Tuesdays and Saturdays, laundry time. Uh, she lived across the street. Now her mom would send her over here um, when she wasn't uh, um, when she was at home because it was a place for her to go that was safe for story time. Um, her three siblings are all in the system, meaning they've uh, they've had negative encounters with law enforcement, and um, two of them have been in and out of jail. Um, and she was the youngest one, and she was always she was, she was always a very argumentative, engaging young woman, um, and which was probably the most exciting part about it is is watching her, her, her kind of develop into a human being. But uh, within a couple of years, she if the if the person who was telling the story wanted help or even was late, uh, she would be the one out there grabbing the books and. Um, and reading and getting the kids together. Um, but she, she last year she graduated from nursing school. Uh, the first person in her family that's, that's even gone to college. Um, so, you know, I'd like to say that it it made a difference. I maybe it did, maybe it didn't, but I, I think it did. I mean, I I think that giving the opportunity and access to, to books and and and, op- and education always makes a difference in somebody's life.
1: Right, and you, you take that trajectory to uh, where we stand today, and you're uh, you know certainly not going anywhere, but you're wrapping up your uh, uh, I think it's third year as uh, president of the Laundry Cares Foundation, and having put your heart and soul into that, and you know you're handing it off uh, you know to good hands, and we just know that. This program is going to continue to grow and learn and just give an opportunity. You put a book in a kid's hand and a place where uh, maybe people associate with a drudgery or a chore or maybe even a negative experience with a laundromat and turning that into a positive impression. You know, the laundromat is a place where I can get some help. It's a place where my kids can get some books. And, you know, it it is a way for us to sort of pay it forward to the customers that have been supporting us uh, year in and year out. Um, well, I could go on and on with you, Jeff. Uh, but you know, as, you're, as we're kind of looking back at uh, 20 years of you being in uh, the industry, uh, one of the things I found coming out of the pandemic is a big, big crop of uh, potential first-time laundromat owners. You know, they—they're seeing what's going on around us and used to talk about looking for uh, recession-resistant businesses. Now, people are looking for pandemic resistant businesses, and certainly the laundromat industry has, has uh, met that criteria as an essential business. Uh, c- could you leave us with a little advice uh, for that first-time person that was like you, uh, sizing up uh, you know, the rainbow uh, laundromat back in the day and starting doing their research? What are, what are a couple things you'd, you would uh, tell those beginners that uh, might help them av- avoid some mistakes along the way based on your experience?
2: Uh, I think we talked about a couple of them, but certainly, certainly having a great relationship with a distributor uh, to have uh, the tools that that you need and access to tools that you may need. Um, CLA's uh, demographic reports and and the membership in CLA is pretty critical if you use it. I mean, a lot of people join and don't use it, but I mean the peer to peer networking and knowing that that you can pick up the phone and be connected to somebody in a completely different market than you, that's got no interest whatsoever in you as a competitor and the ability to have a, a candid conversation with them about your thoughts and processes um, that level of consulting. I, I've never seen anything like it outside of our industry. Very rarely do people are, are they willing to share that kind of stuff. Uh, but I, I think that that's probably one of the, the best things. I know I've talked to people all over the country because of CLA and I've learned and I I've, I've certainly know I've helped a lot of people you know make a decision that that probably changed their business exponentially um I think that 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 understanding and always think of the customer first right I think that's the one thing our industry has has changed significantly but I mean, when you look at your demographic report, when you talk to your your when you think about your processes and you talk to other people about it, always remember that the customer is who we're building and serving. Right. Um, The businesses that have always been successful, have always found a way to make sure the customer has. It's all a range around their experience. Remember, a book came out. That one of our former board members, Chris Ballastracy, brought to a board meeting and and he shared it with all of us. And the minute I read it, I mean, the light bulb came on. It's what we were doing. But it was written by the the president of Enterprise Rent-A-Car. It was called The Experience Economy. And it really defined what Disney World and Disneyland, uh, their model from 40 and 50 years ago, what they were trying to create and what that's translated into today's retail world. Um, and if you think about that, you know, how you want to create an experience for your customers, and that's how you you model your business, I think that you're going to be successful. That's what most people can't
1: figure out a way to do. Well, I think that's well said and uh, maybe a good place to leave it. You know, thinking about the customer, because really all the things we just – Chatted about, you know, the common thread is, you know, thinking about the customer, how to take great care of the customer, how to give back to the customer, and for first-timers, you know, if they start to develop their vision for their laundromat uh, by putting the customer first, I, I think they're going to see a lot of success. Uh, so with that, Jeff, I'd like to thank you. Thank you for being part of our House Business podcast. Uh, appreciate all your years of service and friendship. Uh, we really wouldn't be here where we are as an industry without your direct help, Jeff. And uh, we can't thank you enough and look forward to uh, what you're going to do next. So thanks for joining us. Thank you.
0: Thank you for joining us on our podcast today. Be sure to subscribe to Planet Laundry at www.planetlaundry.com slash subscribe and follow us on social media at Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube.